0: Welcome to the Trinity Grace Church Williamsburg Weekly Update. This is an informal, story-based podcast designed to capture the life of the scattered, yet more unified than ever, church amidst crisis. This is a moment for the church to be the body of Christ in a world of great need. This podcast is designed to empower and equip you to be an active participant in that mission. Enjoy, and thank you for tuning in. I want to start today in what now feels like a forgotten and distant past. The last two Sundays that we were able to gather together as a church in one room, we talked about the same theme, joy. First, we talked about it as feasting. I love you. I forgive you. Dinner's ready. Remember that? And then the very next week we talked about celebrating, not because it's smooth sailing from here, but because it certainly isn't. We have to stop and celebrate and mark the moment with gratitude for the work that God is doing among us because it's so good. Remember that. Well, on that Sunday in early March, I had no idea it would be the last time and who knows how long we were all in that room together. I want you to hold on to that moment. And I want to take you to a scene from scripture. God's rescue plan for the human race began with one family, with Abraham and his wife Sarah, a married couple who was unable to have kids, and not for lack of trying. Sarah couldn't get pregnant, and that was at a time in history where children were considered a divine blessing, and to be childless was to be shamed. Many believed to be cursed by God. Now, anyone who's ever had a journey with infertility knows something of the quiet, constant agony that Abraham and especially Sarah must have lived with. And God made a covenant with that family. A covenant's like a promise, but it's stronger. That's legal language, it's more like a contract. So God signs a contract with Abraham, and these are the terms I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. Pretty good deal. So God promises Abraham that his family line will grow and grow until it's an entire nation. And of course, that promise starts like any family line starts, with a positive pregnancy test and a baby. So this promise is astounding. I mean, it's almost too much. It's everything Abraham and Sarah desire, and it costs them nothing. Does it involve risk and sacrifice? Of course it does. Every step of faith feels like risk and sacrifice at first. So step one of this covenant is go to the foreign land that I will show you, and that is the land I will give to the nation I'll bring out of your family. Genesis twelve four. the very next phrase after the covenant is this. So Abraham went. I mean, what an understatement. Just imagine Abraham and Sarah right there on the edge of Ur, the only city they've ever known, the only culture they've ever known, the only family they've ever known. This wasn't a time when people traveled around and got to know different cities and places. They are leaving everything they've known up to this point in their life, journeying off into the great unknown on an adventure with a God that Abraham both can't see and can't deny. That's it. I and mean, that's the magic of life in this world with God. It's that sort of faith-filled fire in my heart adventure. That's it, right? I mean the willingness to leave the familiar, to abandon every sense of comfort and security and certainty, all just fully abandoned to trust in this still small inner voice from the Spirit of God. That's faith, isn't it? And that's what we tend to think. And that's what Abraham must have thought. And that is faith. It's where faith starts. But it's just the start. See, what we tend to overlook and what Abraham overlooked was this, stamina. Faith is a marathon, not a sprint. And it requires stamina. God is faithful, but he's never in a hurry. I mean, he keeps his promises, but he has a habit of leaving you waiting on those promises much longer than you'd like. So Abraham and Sarah's journey was long and confusing and miraculous and dark. I mean, he had no idea how long he'd be waiting on God to bring that promise to life. Decades. And in those decades, they tried everything. Fear. He, he sold his own wife into prostitution. Control. Abraham and Sarah conspired to have him sleep with Hagar, a servant on their estate, because God's not getting the job done, so maybe we'll help him out. Maybe we'll find a surrogate to give him a bit of a boost on his own promise. Escape. I mean, how many times did Abraham escape into indulgence just to try to satisfy more base level desires to cover over the fact that there was a deep sense of disappointment underneath? And in the end, he's guarded. Because when Abraham's decades into a life in that foreign land of promise, God shows up again. This time when he's 100 years old and his wife Sarah is 90 and God repeats the promise, a baby's coming. And that baby is the start of a nation more numerous than the stars in the sky. And Abraham falls face down, but it's not in holy reverence. He falls face down in hysterical laughter. He laughs God off. I mean, you could call that cynicism or doubt or giving up. You could call it whatever you want. The truth is that he's disappointed. Because the journey has been less than what he imagined. Is this it? I mean, that's the question he's asking. This can't be what God meant when he talked about inheriting a promise. This can't be what the promise of God feels like, can it? The instinct or the instinctive response to disappointment is always to become guarded we lower our standard for God. Is God a miracle worker? Is he a redeemer? Is he good? Well, yeah, he works miracles sometimes, but do I expect him to do something miraculous right now, right in front of my own eyes, in my physical world? Well, that's a different question. And of course he's a redeemer, but his redemption plan takes too many twists and turns for me to get my hopes up. And is God good? Well, generally, yes. To me, Am I really that special to him? Am I the son or daughter that he fights for, protects, delights in, is infinitely fascinated by? As an idea, that's beautiful, but in my experience, well, that's another matter, isn't it? Abraham doesn't give up on God, but he doesn't entirely trust God either. Not anymore. Not after what he'd been through since that first promise. So when God showed up in that inner voice as quiet as a whisper, Abraham laughed. Is this it? Is this really what we were promised? Is this really what God had in mind when he said descendants as numerous as the stars? Because this is not how I thought it would feel. So what about you? Let's circle back where we started to those last two Sundays we were together. Joy, right? Dinner's ready. Lent is about feasting this year. It's celebration time. That's what we thought we were walking into. That's what we thought God had promised us. And then we were permanently locking the doors on our own prayer room that we'd spent all we had on. And we were stacking the chairs in the sanctuary to collect dust for who knows how long. And we were all picking up the pieces of our lives and trying to sort out what just happened, what this means for my family, for my finances, for my plans, for my career, and where can I take cover until this thing passes. Is this it? Feasting and celebration? Because this is not what I thought that would feel like. Psalm 78 asks the question that so many of us are asking right now in our own way. Can God really spread a table in the wilderness? Can God really prepare a feast right here and right now in my personal wilderness? Abraham asked that question countless times along the way. I mean, he acted out in fear, he grabbed for control, he tried to give God a boost on keeping his own promise, he numbed out, and he escaped. John Ortberg writes, Abraham does not have perfect faith, he just hangs on. This is a story for people who doubt sometimes, for people who have heard the laughter die, for people who occasionally wonder why God seems disinterested and remote. So, church, I just want to present you with this one question. What is the biggest threat to your faith at the moment?
1: I confess that in the last few weeks, it's been really hard to come into the presence of God. I started the quarantine full of faith and excitement, but after reconciling story after story, they just keep coming stories of suffering just become really painful and disappointing. And I didn't think this is how it was supposed to go down by now. And then God gently revealed to me that I'd been keeping these silent tallies of answered prayers and miracles, like things to fuel my faith, things that I could see. And God is good despite that, despite what I see. And I do believe we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living, but I confess that I just prefer him to set a table before me in the presence of victory. That's not how it goes. And I just want to be where he is, and I don't want to avoid the suffering. And I'm pretty sure, I didn't. Know, I know, that he's smack dab in the middle of the suffering, and so I have no choice but to join him there.
2: An obstacle for me right now in really seeing God's kingdom break through is my selfishness. Um, I'm not working right now, I'm at home with our three kids, and... I'm just faced on a daily basis with my desire to um, not sort of put their needs before my own and to try and pursue my own dreams or plans of of the next job that I might be getting or the bit of writing I'm trying to do. Um, I just feel like I'm so consumed with um, my plans for the future and be trying to control things uh, rather than taking the invitation to day by day uh, love on the kids that God's put in my care and to seek his kingdom for what he wants to do in me and through me in this time. And my selfishness is just getting in the way. I've really been struggling with apathy recently. In the beginning, I was so on board and had so much motivation and energy joining all these prayer calls and having big faith and believing that God was gonna part the Red Sea and do something miraculous. But now I'm like so over this, ready for the new normal, So it's been really hard for me to stay interested and to care um, and to be invested in this. I think, to be honest, even more, it's because I'm disappointed that God hasn't showed up in the way we wanted or I've been asking. And so it's easier for me to be apathetic right now than to risk being disappointed again if he doesn't show up in the way that we're praying or if we don't see him parting the Red Sea.
1: I feel disconnected right now. Uh, my family and I aren't in the city right now. Uh, we aren't meeting as a church on Sundays and community groups, et cetera. And I am having a hard time keeping this at the forefront of my imagination because of that, simply because uh, I'm not that, not present none of us are present and I'm literally hundreds of miles away. And also I, I feel distracted. Um I'm I'm here with my wife, my five year old, my three year old, our dog, and we're just trying to do life. There's my dog right now right there barking. And it's it's distracting, it feels like twenty four seven and um it's difficult and and that's what I'm what I'm struggling with.
0: Those were the voices of our four elders. Simon, Beck, Kaiser, and Lindsay. They are the overseers of this church, the ones entrusted with shepherding the flock, and they don't have perfect faith. They're just hanging on. James chapter 1 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Joy. This is not the joy I had in mind. James goes on, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Can I translate that for you? Let God add stamina to your faith so you can inherit every ounce of the astounding promise. So God speaks to Abraham again in his old age. Then God said, yes, but your wife Sarah will still bear you a son. And you will call him Isaac. And here's the crazy part. Abraham believes God. Kierkegaard calls Abraham knight of the absurd. Because who keeps believing at this point? Back to Ortberg, he says, even now, at this moment, he somehow believes. Not perfectly. He's never believed perfectly in his life. He lied and feared and impregnated Hagar and laughed all along the way. Such is the great irony of Abraham, that the journey of faith has been riddled with doubt every step of the way. In the words of James, let perseverance finish its work. You see, suffering on its own does not produce perseverance. Only the suffering that is somehow endured in faith. So staring into a future that we wouldn't have written, wrought with suffering that we'd never have chosen, here's our whole plan, relentless prayer. 49 days every single night. We've called it the night watches. And we're asking God for the miraculous first within us, and then in the world outside of us. And can I tell you something? We don't get there, or we don't get either one of those, without stamina. See, faith starts with risk and trust and adventure, but those who inherit its promises don't get there without stamina. So what are the obstacles to faith for you right now? Is it escape? Tempted to numb out? just to make the most of it. I'll just have another glass of wine and play another episode. Or stress, the daily grind of a lifestyle you wouldn't have chosen but you're stuck with, and so you're jittery in the midst of it. Are you grasping for control? Trying to stay busy, always making plans, keeping distracted for the sake of your own sanity, grasping at what's obviously a profound loss of control. Maybe it's exhaustion, I just don't have the willpower to care anymore. Or worry about my health or my finances or my future. It could be disappointment. Because it's easier just to lower the bar for God than to keep on hoping in a God who seems so quiet and so distant. Or doubt. Maybe not outright doubt in God altogether, but just doubt that God is good. Good in a personal way, like good to me, that he really sees me, really cares, and really does fight for me. Whatever it is. There's definitely some mountain to climb to keep your faith alive. So whatever your obstacle is, I would just say this. Here is what stamina is like. Just hang on. You don't have perfect faith. Neither do I. Just hang on. Just show up to the hour of prayer when you feel hopeless and drained. Keep asking even when you doubt that God is listening. Ask God to wet your appetite for a table in the wilderness when you've gotten used to starving. Keep showing up. That's how perseverance finishes its work. That's the suffering that is somehow endured in faith. Church, just hang on. Who's still showing up on day 49? Who keeps praying when nothing's happened the previous 48 nights? Who keeps believing, keeps showing up, keeps hoping, keeps being, after being pummeled with a thousand temptations toward an easier out? Only the nights of the absurd, to borrow a phrase. And it fits us, don't you think? <laughs> only those who inherit the promise, to borrow another phrase, this one from Hebrews. Church, don't have perfect faith. Just. Hang on. Wherever you are as you're listening, whether you are taking a walk to escape your apartment for a moment or you're on a road trip somewhere getting out of the city or you're just trying to reach for another distraction as you're sitting around at home, I just want to give you the invitation to take a moment to bring yourself into the presence of God. To close your eyes and block out everything else and try to tune your full attention to what he might want to say to you, even here, even now. Take a deep breath in, inhaling the life that he gave you at first. Every breath is another breath of his love. And every time you exhale, you're breathing out praise to him. You're breathing love back to God. So breathe in the love of God. And breathe out love to God. Breathe in the love of God. And breathe out love to God. I'll break the silence in another moment with these words from Hebrews chapter 11. He was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God, and by faith even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Spirit of the living God. You get to choose the outcomes. So we surrender that part. Let our names be next to Abraham and Sarah's. As those who know the hairs raised on the back of our necks risk of faith's first step. And those who know the just hanging on stamina of faith's completion. Will you make us a people of faith? even here and even now. Amen.
2: Hi, it's Meg, and here's what else you need to know this week. As we enter the third month of this pandemic, how you have been impacted may have changed, and we as your church family want to help and support you. Maybe you're ill, in need of groceries or financial help, due to loss of work. We currently have $30,000 in our crisis care fund that we want to give away to people within our community who are in need of financial help, which can cover rent, bills, and groceries. Or maybe you've stopped therapy because you can no longer afford it, or you've come to realize you need therapy during this time, but would never seek it out. Crisis care can help, If you need care, please take a moment to fill out the short form on our website. Maybe you're struggling emotionally and would love for someone to pray with you. Our prayer team would love to speak with you over the phone or over Zoom. The crisis care team is available around your schedule, so please fill out the form for prayer so we can connect you. If you need crisis care, financial assistance, or prayer, please visit tgcwilliamsburg.com backslash health. Watch prayer is happening every night from 9 to 10 p.m. I encourage you to join at least one night each week as we seek God for breakthrough in the current pandemic. The Zoom link to join is on the top of our website at tdcwilliamsburg.com.